0: listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like this is kind of a strange time of year. We're 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 in transition in a lot of ways, transitioning from covid life to whatever after covid life is kids transitioning from being in school to out of school for the summer, whether that means just hanging out at home on their iPads all day or actually getting out there and doing camps and things like that. Who knows? Um, Markets are kind of transitioning also, right, because we've had we've had five months of this pretty substantial sell-off to begin the year and we're kind of cutting sideways you know we we broke through uh last week with a positive the first positive week for markets after seven negative weeks in a row which is historic I keep you know everything's historic though these days but it is a long stretch seven weeks in a row being down uh for all the indices being down broken last week Uh, We're finishing up a shortened week after the Memorial Day weekend and the Memorial Day holiday. So we had four trading days. Markets finished the week lower again after a strong week the week prior. Uh, So we're going to roll pretty quickly through this and talk. I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I want to talk about the jobs report because it's the first Friday of the month. That means jobs report. So we can't get through this and not talk about jobs. But then I also want to talk about the fact that we are off of the lows right now. And I want to question whether that whether the lows that we hit a couple of weeks ago, was that the low? Have we hit the bottom or do we have some more pain in front of us? So, if you want to hear that specifically, and I think that's what a lot of people want to hear, you can go ahead and skip ahead a few minutes on this podcast. Uh, but first, we're going to start with the recap, then we'll talk jobs report, and then we'll get into whether or not uh, the low was the low. As I mentioned, though, as just to, to kick this off and recap this shortened trading week, all of the major US indices finished lower for the week after the strong week that we had the week prior. Like I mentioned, we got some bearish comments from the kind of the c-suite, if you will, both Elon Musk, the T- uh, Tesla C- uh, CEO and JP Morgan's, uh, uh, J.B. Diamond had investors kind of concerned over the state of the economy. Jamie Diamond even mentioned that he thought a hurricane was coming, which is a bit hyperbolic, I think, but it got some eyeballs and and really, both CEOs, We're joining an increasing group of businesses and firms that have recently reported struggles with headwinds, given the inflationary conditions that we've got right now. This and the fact that the Federal Reserve is attempting to kind of engineer this soft landing or soft ish landing uh, in combating price pressures amid skepticism from many investors has kind of caused the market to continuing to pull back here in just this last week. Fixed income rebounded a bit for the week. Now, the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index finished lower, reversing three consecutive higher weeks of gains as the 10-year Treasury yield increased. The strong May job report that we'll talk about a little bit later gave bond investors some pause, and some believe the Fed will maintain their hawkish sentiment about cranking up interest rates to combat inflation. Now, high-yield corporate bonds, tracked by the Bloomberg High Yield Index, finished higher for the second consecutive week, as asset claims remain negative for the year, we can get a little bit into the week, the economic roundup. But we're gonna I'll talk Fed and then consumer confidence, and then we'll get into the jobs report. But uh, it, looking at the Fed, the Federal Reserve report on current economic conditions, it's called the Beige Book, came out this week and showed signs of an economic slowdown in some areas of the nation. The current inflationary cl- climate, along with supply chain bottlenecks, in addition to labor shortages. All the things we talk about all the time, and you don't even need me to talk about because you see it day to day, all those, all those things continue to weigh on the economic landscape and give rise to these questions about recession. Um, during the mid, the mid April through May period, four of the 12 federal reserve districts saw slowing growth compared to the prior period. So that's noteworthy. We'll have to check back on the next report to see if that number of four out of 12 is growing at all. May consumer confidence declined as consumers' view of the present and future prospects faded in the midst of this persistent inflation that we're dealing with. Uh, the conference board stated this week that the consumer confidence index dipped, uh, dipped to above 106 in May from over 108 in the month prior. So even though this is still good reading, inflation is going to continue to remain at the forefront until signs are showing that prices are starting to stabilize. This inflation, this is, inflation is one of those economic things that is just front and center and is painful. It's painful for more for some than others, but it stinks for everyone and we're all feeling it and I think everybody, especially after this kind of really long time of not having any inflation, everybody's sick and tired of it. So, first Friday of the month. So, let's talk jobs a little bit because um, labor markets are tight. And the jobs report was showing that there are very few signs that it's starting to loosen. Uh, the unemployment in May grew by 390,000, uh, driven by, or I'm sorry, employment in May, not unemployment, employment in May grew by 30, 390,000. And that was really driven by strong gains in leisure and hospitality. Professional and business services, transportation, warehousing. Now, jobs growth doesn't exist in an economy that doesn't have, that has a high chance of going into recession, right? I I think that's a pretty easy connection to make. I'm going to link to one of the LPL charts of the day that shows the three month average gain dipped from the highs from last year uh and so a softer trend is consistent with the economic the slowdown in economic growth in the coming quarters but it doesn't mean outright contraction right just because your the growth is slowing doesn't mean you're not growing unemployment in may was 3.6% that's unchanged for the third consecutive month not a bad thing and average hourly earnings increased 5.2% from a year ago and so let's let's take a few minutes to dig deeper And look at the lingering effects from the pandemic and why the labor market's stubbornly tight. Really, first, unemployment's too low and too long for some people. And one reason unemployment is low, one of the reasons it's it's low is from the large amount of individuals not in the labor force. People have, especially with COVID, they decided to heck with it, especially older workers, saying, I'm just going to go ahead and retire. So relative to pre-pandemic levels, the economy has an excess of roughly 5 million people who don't have a job nor are looking for a job. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics doesn't include individuals without a job if those people are not actively looking for work. So if you stop looking, you stop being counted. That messes up the numbers a little bit. The long-term unemployed account for roughly 23% of all unemployed persons and should be a concern as you know, skill erosion sets in for those out of work for an extended period. Even after social distancing restrictions lifted in many areas, schools and daycare facilities really remained constrained last year. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about here. Causing This caused many caregivers to remain unemployed. And those unemployed for over 27 weeks are considered long-term unemployed. And if this category remains elevated for an extended period, the economy could really have lasting scars. Think about it. Daycare uh, or preschool, hard to find, really expensive. Maybe it's more expensive than one of the parents is making at their job. The economic decision is pretty clear that you would stay home if you need to stay home, if that's the cheaper of the two alternatives. Now, I understand kind of uh, reasoned economic decisions don't always go into these calls because preschool and Head Start programs are good for kids. But if we're just looking at the dollars and cents, uh, which many families are because of inflation, you can see how that how that kind of math begins to work out. One of the other things that's noteworthy here with the jobs report is that the construction job market is especially tight. Uh, the National Federation of Independent Business uh, reports that 61% of firms in all sectors are having few or no qualified applicants for current job openings. I mean, this metric that we're talking about is at all-time highs, for, uh, but the construction sector is the most concerning. And that's what we're talking about here. 69%. Of construction firms reported few or no qualified uh, applicants. So as a result, firms are raising total compensation to attract and retain talent, right? Can't find anybody? Pay more, you'll find them. Now, this is a risk to the inflation outlook if these imbalances remained and become emboldened in the economy. Now, encouragingly, employment prospects are good and a strong labor market will help offset the impact of rising borrowing costs. So it's not all doom and gloom. But from the earlier job opening labor turnover survey, the JOLTS report, the labor market is extremely tight as quit rates are high. And that reveals that workers in many industries know that they can likely get higher wages if they move from one company or one firm to another. Still, the economy has had roughly two openings for each unemployed individual, that is tight. That's a tight job market. So the Federal Reserve is likely to continue on their projected tightening path because of this. Now, job gains in May were broad-based. And with another good labor report, the Federal Open Market Committee or the FOMC can really emphasize the imbalances to price stability over supporting labor markets. So inflation is the Paramount is the primary concern for the committee members right now, and the tightening the labor market just adds fuel to that fire. So as job gains moderate and more people come into the workforce, we could actually see the unemployment rate increase, and that removes some of the tightness from the labor market. It's the old good news, bad news is good news kind of thing is from an economic perspective. Really, I think if we look at our base case projection for the FOMC or for the Fed, it's that they increase rates again in June by 50 basis points or half of a percent and probably then again at the next meeting. So, you know, that's a whole percent in the last last couple of meetings or the next couple of meetings, I should say. So I've been going for almost 10 minutes. Uh, and we, we kind of covered what we have to cover in terms of recap of this shortened trading week. We covered a little bit about the jobs report that just came out here today because we're re- recording this on June 3rd. Let's talk about whether we've hit bottom are we at the low because stocks were all rallied hard in the week prior last week i don't i guess it's the week kind of uh, last week of may the s&p 500 index as i said earlier broke a seven week losing streak in really in resounding fashion it's 6.6% gain was the best since november of 2020 and that strong response from equities following one of the worst starts of the year has many investors wondering if that was the low. And I think we have to remain open to that possibility. But really, the technical picture suggests that volatility is probably going to remain and remain high in the nearer term. So first, let's take a look at the technical setup of the S&P 500. Because while stocks have bounced decisively off important support kind of near the 3,800 mark, the index is now faced with multiple levels of technical resistance, meaning hard. it's hard for it to get over those resistance levels. And the 50-day moving average is at uh, 4,270. So given stocks, steady series of lower highs and lower lows throughout 2020, it's really important for us to see evidence that this trend has turned around and can hold a higher high. We need it's a it's a show me kind of thing. Yes, it was a good week, but we need to stack together a few good indicators uh with higher highs and higher lows as we go forward. One of the second reasons uh we remain s- skeptical, I think that this market has truly bottomed without that capitulatory flush usually found at major market lows, let's say this, nothing markets have to happen, whether it's put call ratios, stubbornly low VIX, um, or even just the fact that several of the non-growth sectors arguably remain range bound from 2021 and haven't corrected. It'd be really unusual for us to see such a major market low without genuine signs of absolute investor panic and indiscriminate selling. Right. We, we need that big bottom whoosh to cut the rug to get pulled out uh, to get this out of our system. It's kind of like it's how we get the fever to break. And of the five major signs of panic that we track and are often found at major market bottoms, only one has actually triggered so far this year in contrast to a minimum of three that have been found at recent lows in March 2020, fall of 2015, late 2011, and even the great financial crisis in 08 and 09. And then finally, while we're inching closer, perhaps to that low, I think we, rem- we. I don't think I know we remain in that seasonally weak part of the year, and a May low could still be on the early side of the average low in a midterm year. Um, I'll I'll throw up an, a second chart that LPL has on midterm years, um, but looking at all of the midterm election years going back to 1950, only two have seen their early their yearly low before May 19th. And when the S&P 500 made its closing, and that that's kind of when the closing low was on the S&P 500 a couple of weeks ago. Now, we need to note that the depth of this correction is almost exactly in line with the average midterm year pullback. But regardless, of when we make that bottom and, and you'll see in the chart that I post to you, the gains a year after the low have been substantial with more than 30% average return. And only one of those occurrences falling short of a double digit gain. So we're, we're anything about market pessimists here, right? I mean, over time markets have historically gone higher. In fact, I think there's going to be some substantial opportunity in stocks on the other side of this volatility and probably even in the second half of the year. But Outside of this recent rally, there's there's not a whole lot about this market that's changed from a technical standpoint, and that makes us wary of calling the all clear just after one really solid week. Uh, some call it a dead cat bounce, some call it a bear market rally. Uh, you know, I, though at this point, even though it feels good to have a break in this in the dips, I think going forward at least in the short and intermediate term, I think a slight lean towards defensive sectors and away from the growth-oriented areas of the market still makes sense. I would say for sector, we talked about sectors last week. For the sectors, I think we're the most positive on healthcare and real estate And we're probably becoming increasingly positive on energy, but within growth sectors, I think still we're the most negative on communication services and the consumer discretionary sector that we talked about last week. Uh, The industrial sector is probably likely to unperform as we go forward. I would love to get on this podcast and say, hey, that was the bottom. As we go forward, it's only blue skies from here. I just i can't realistically get on the microphone on this podcast and tell you that it 's all clear because the signs just aren't pointing to it just yet now over the last few weeks, have things stabilized a bit yeah we're not we're not falling like we were, uh, but again we we also don't have those telltale signs of that big flush at the bottom uh, that would be that total capitulation among investors that would allow us to get through this and get on with the recovery so I guess we'll have to wait to see what the future holds. Uh, if you're listening to this before June 7th, if you may have heard in the in the intro, we've got our, um, our the first of our summer webinar series, uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time on June 7th. Uh, we have another one coming up in July and in August. Uh, we'll announce those speakers after we're done here with the one that we've got with JP Morgan Asset Management in June. But stay tuned because we have more webinars market-facing, market-focused, economic-focused webinars um, so we can really get down to answering the question, what the heck's going on with markets right now? So thanks for li- listening. Have a great weekend. If you have questions about anything you've heard, email us, info at Ford FG. My name's Brian Ullman. I'll talk to you next week.
1: The Advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with, and securities are offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA. And SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.